words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. He got up early for it. Abraham did in our first reading. What kinds of things are you willing to get up early for? Work? School? Probably. You get up early to work out? Maybe, if you value that enough. How about clipping your toenails or watching a rerun on TV? I am, I'm going to guess that none of you have ever set an alarm to do those two things. So where's the line? What things are we willing to get up early for? Would you get up early to suffer? To do something you absolutely did not want to do? In our first reading, Abraham gets up early in the morning to get going on doing what I think is probably the hardest thing that anyone has ever been asked to do. He got up early to go kill his son because God told him to. Think about that. Throughout this season of Lent, we're talking about rethinking religion. If God told me to kill my son, I think that would make me rethink mine a little bit. But, but not in the way we're talking about. <clears throat> you see, so many people have so many thoughts about what religion is, what a relationship with God is, and so many of the things that have woven themselves into the fabric of our society, they're just wrong. You know, on Wednesday, we talked about rethinking our priorities, that, that no, our, our, our worth is not determined by how much stuff we've accomplished, no matter how many things say that or indicate that. It's determined by the blessings God has given us, the more important things. Same way with all of this, this rethinking today, as we're rethinking religion, we get to, we get to rethink the tests. The trials, the things we'd, we'd rather not go through. <laughs> Think about tests for a minute. Do you know anyone who in school liked tests? If you're thinking of any names, it's probably someone who knew they were absolutely going to ace it and just wanted to show off a little bit. But other than that, nobody likes tests, right? Especially if you know that it's way above anything that you're capable of, of doing. We'd rather avoid that. It, it's the same thing with the tests in our lives. Even the, the inconsequential ones. You know, the athletic team, they may look forward to, to the test against a really good opponent coming up. But, but if they know that there's no way they're going to win, they're not looking forward to that. It's even harder when we're talking about the, the, the tests that are tests of who we are. Tests of our faith. So let's look at this lesson from Genesis 1, and, and let's examine this test that God gives to Abraham to see, to figure out how he did what he did, how he could handle it. Let's rethink our trials and remember who they're from. <coughs> so you've got Abraham. God had finally given him his son. Remember that story? He was 75. God promised him, you're going to have a son. You're going to have all these descendants. And then he's 80, no son, 85, no son, 90, no five. He's 95, no son. Finally, when he gets to be 100, 
God gives him his son, and they laugh. They are so happy. I mean, can you imagine that love? Not just the regular love of a father for a son, but come on, this was, this was that promised son that they had waited so long for. This was the fulfillment of, 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 of so many things that they had been waiting for. The, this miracle given in his old age son. And then, you add to that, that God had attached another promise to this son. He had said that, that through Isaac and his descendants, All nations on earth would be blessed. In other words, God was sending the Savior through a descendant of Isaac. So every time Abraham saw his son Isaac, he was reminded that, one, God keeps promises that seem impossible. Right? hundred-year-old man with a barren woman, God kept his promise. And two, God has made an even better promise. A Savior from sin. All of our sins would would be washed away. Every time Abraham saw that son, he got those reminders. And then in our text, God comes up to him and says, all right, I got a test for you. But he he doesn't tell Abraham that. Abraham just hears a command. We're told it's a test. So think about how Abraham would have received this. I'm going to read the the command to you and, and notice how God just piles it on. How serious, how big a thing he's asking. Right? Verse 2. God said, take your son. That was enough right there, right? He says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Remember, his name was Isaac. That means laughter because of how happy they were when he was born. So, So take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Huh. Talk about a test. Think about what this test was. Abraham, do you love God more than you love your son? Do you trust God's word more than you trust what makes sense in your head? Do you love God enough to go kill your son? To get up early in the morning and get going on that journey to kill your son. To cut the wood and get the fire and bring a knife along this three-day journey to kill your son. To take that three-day journey with your boy and climb up the mountain, just you and him, and kill your son. How would you have done with that command, with that test? Is that the kind of thing you could have gotten up early in the morning to do? That's the kind of thing you you would have been chomping at the bit to to, to get on with. No matter when you got up, is that the kind of thing that you ever could have possibly done? Looking at this text from Genesis 22 today, we naturally make some comparisons, right, between Abraham's faith and ours. We compare the test he faced and the, the tests we face. Which, by the way, don't tell God anything. Right? They're not for his sake. He knows what's going to happen. Those tests are for our benefit. So through this test, notice how Abraham did what he did. Notice why he did what he did. He got up early in the morning to go and do what God told him to do for one reason. Because God had promised. 
That's the only reason he could, he could complete this test. It's because he knew God's promise. And Abraham had seen how God's promises worked out. Remember, God had promised Abraham he would have the land, and, well, he had the land. God promised Abraham that he would have a son. It looked impossible, but God kept his promise. And now God tells him, go and, and, and sacrifice your son. Abraham knew who this God was. He knew how God deals with promises. That's the only thing that allowed him to do what he did, and that's the only thing that gives us strength to face some of the tests that we come up with in our lives, or that we come up against. Rethink your trials. Remember who they are from. So you walk through the test, right? <clears throat> Abraham was actually at a good point in life. He had had some tough times, right? God had told him to do some things that were tough. Leave your home. Okay, he does. I'll give you the land. He waits, he waits, he waits. Finally, he, he gets the land, right? I'll give you a son. He waits, he waits, he waits. Finally, he gets. So now he's got Isaac. He's got the land. He's finally got political peace. Uh, he's, he's got peace at home, right? The whole Ishmael situation is handled. And, and he's raising his son, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and the, the political situation is handled. He had just, in the ch previous chapter, made a treaty with Abimelech, who was the ruler of the whole area. And, and, and things were good. The, the, the king had given Abraham free reign, and he had full support of King Abimelech. Everything was good. And then this. Sometimes the tests in our life come when things are, are bad. Sometimes they come when things are great. And, and since God doesn't tell us what's going on in Abraham's mind in this, you kind of just have to imagine what would be going on in your own. Even if you were able to get going and head out on that journey, think about what happens when Isaac asks the question he does in verse 7. Father, the fire and wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He was catching on. And how good his son was, right? Willingly going along on this journey, carrying the wood up, up the mountain, letting his dad tie him up. Think about that trust. He trusted God. And if you're Abraham, what's going through your mind? What if I'm wrong? What if God's wrong? Is, is, God, is God taking his promise away from me? Is, is God mad at me? Is this punishment for, for when I messed up? I, I, I sinned with that whole Abimelech thing again? What if? It's, it's extremely safe to say that God is not going to ask you to sacrifice a dear loved one on an altar as a burnt offering. But it's also extremely safe to say that you have plenty of tests. And sometimes you might not know that it's a test from God. It might seem like it's just a temptation of the devil. It might seem that it's just the way things happen when in actuality it's a test from God. A medical test, that, that can serve double duty, right? As a test from God. Do you love God enough? To trust that he cares for you in sickness and in health. Looking at the gravestone of the one you love, that, that's a test. 
Do you love God enough to, to trust that he's with you through this? To trust that he knows what he's doing? Interacting again with the person that you know doesn't bring out the best in you, but uh, kind of triggers your sinful nature to go in ways that you know it shouldn't go. That's a test. Do you love God enough to treat them the way he wants you to? When you lose a job, when you lose money, when you lose a friend, whatever you, you lose, it's a test, right? Do I love God? more than whatever it is I lost or, or might lose. Look at Abraham. An appropriately strong love for his son would have been inappropriate. It would have been sin if it surpassed his love for God. We're not told of all of his thoughts as he made his way up that mountain and, and, and brought the son that he loved uh, along with, but, but what are yours as you face whatever the test is. Why? Are you mad at me, God? Are you real? Do you really love me? Tests are not strengthening us as God intends them to if we are complaining about them, if we are simply refusing to obey what he tells us to do, if we are fighting against them. And, and, and those failures at our tests that happen way too often, they're, they're not just ugly. Those sins are, are damning. So today for us people who haven't always gotten up early in the morning to take on with confidence, whatever the test God has on, on our agenda for that day. God lets us see through this story of Abraham, through Abraham's eyes, lets us see into God's heart. Living in Abraham, demonstrated by what he did, was a faith that God had given him. You see it throughout the text, right? It's, it's in it's everything he says. It's in his statement to the servants in verse 5. He says, we will worship and then we will come back to you. It's in his words to Isaac when Isaac asked that question. God will provide a lamb. It's in what he named the mountain. The Lord will provide. Real literally, the Lord will see to it. Let me read from you from, from Hebrews chapter 11 where, where God, the Holy Spirit, a thousand years later, inspired the writer to the Hebrews to, to tell us what was going on in Abraham's head. <clears throat> By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So, so think through Abraham's line of thought. Okay, God promised me that through Isaac, the Savior would come. Right? There'd be forgiveness for all people. The Savior would be here, and that would be through Isaac. And God made the promise. So if God promised that, I know that it's going to happen. And now God told me to kill Isaac. And this is God, and I know that God means what he says, and I know that God's word is always right. So God made the promise. 
God told me to do this. When I do this and I burn his body up and turn it into ashes, well, well, then God will surely somehow raise Isaac back from the dead so that he can have children, so that the Savior can be born from his descendants. That's, that's the only thing that could happen. I mean, think about it. That's, that's what he was thinking, the writer to the Hebrews tells us. i got to say, I don't know if that's what I would have been thinking. What would your thoughts have been? And seeing this, how does that affect you? Because you have those same promises. In fact, you've seen the fulfillment of some of them already. You have the forgiveness of sins that, that Jesus won on that cross. You have the forgiveness for every time you failed at one of these tests. The forgiveness that Jesus won by dying on that cross, which, by the way, was on this very same mountain, Moriah. But here's what you also have for your test. You have God's promise. The same God who promised Abraham a son, the same God who promised Abraham that through Isaac's descendant the Savior would come, the same God promises you that no matter what you are going through, he is with you. And he is stronger than whatever that challenge. And he loves you. He demonstrated that. And he is working even that test for your good. So here's your line of thinking. Okay. I don't get it. I don't know why this is happening to me, but God says that I should do X, Y, or Z, and so I'm going to do X, Y, or Z because I know that he's got this plan to something way better than I could ever imagine because I know God. And he keeps his promises. When, when you've got the tests, when you've got the trials, rethink those trials. Remember who they are from. They're from the God who sees to it, like Abraham said. He doesn't only have it covered, he has you covered. Abraham believed that, and he was about to believe it even more. Does that sound like something you could use? Less doubt, more faith? Less complaining, more praying, less sinning, more obeying? Less self-pity, more worship of God? Look at how God gives it. If you're looking for those things, here's the key. They're not bound up in you somewhere waiting to, to burst forth when you just get your act together. Look at the story. After coming through for Abraham and, and providing the ram for a sacrifice in place of Isaac so that the sacrifice could still happen, God repeats some promises. He gives a whole bundle of promises, and, and in that bundle of promises, he promised that all nations would be blessed through Abraham's descendant, through Isaac's descendant. He promised Jesus. And to the billions of people, among the billions of people to whom that applies, he was promising it to you and me, too. Through Isaac's offspring, Jesus and his sacrifice, we have the unmatchable blessing of peace with God, guilt-free consciences, prayers that God hears and answers, and the unsinkable promise that God will bring us through every trial. You want to be as sure about that as you can be? Look at verse 16. I swear by myself, declares the Lord. God wouldn't have to take an oath. His word is good. 
but to give you joy uh, amidst your fears? To give you freedom from despair? To put a spring in your step and a smile on your face and hope in your heart to, to incinerate unbelief and to fill you to overflowing with the strength to be able to handle whatever comes to you. God swears by himself. Because there is nothing and no one higher by which to swear. He swears that you are his in Jesus. That's what the miracle of baptism promises, as God claimed you as his own. That's what the Lord's Supper promises as, as he connects you so intimately to him. That's what this says. Rethink your trials. Remember who they are from, the God who swears to it. Early, late, or otherwise, let that be what gets you going every day. In Christ, amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, amen. Let's rise and confess.